The Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Analysis, discussion, and the latest around the Broncos as the season continues. It's the Broncos Blitz Podcast with Ronnie K. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. We're today on the podcast going to discuss the Broncos future quarterback. I'm going to give off some names and you tell me who you think at least should be the Denver Broncos starter in a, oh, if you will, dream scenario next year. Of course, this includes not only the current quarterbacks on the roster, but this also includes quarterbacks who, well, could be on the roster from the NFL draft, but also those with free agency as well, too. So that's the discussion today. But first, our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirit. Chef Andrea Varela and that locally sourced rotating seasoning fair is just tremendous. Head on over there to Tap 14 on the web. That's tap14.com. Tap 14. Com. All right, this is the Denver Broncos team that, of course, has Joe Flacco, Drew Locke, Brendan Allen on the roster. I'm going to put those names in a pot, and we're going to stir them in with some of the biggest name-free agents, the notable ones, the logical ones. And I'm talking about, uh, well, Cam Newton. We're talking about Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, there are others. Uh, Drew Brees are going to be free agents. Let's be honest. That's not a, a very logical number. You know, I think some have talked about Tom Brady. I, I'm going to I'm gonna put those aside for now, at least, until we get some more official wording. But we're going to add those names in, along with some major high-profile rookies. So, we're talking about Tua Tonga Viola. We're talking about Joe Burrow. We're talking about Jake Fromm. We're talking about uh, Justin Herbert. You know, and if you want to talk about Jacob Eason and all these different quarterbacks, go for it. Jalen Hurts too. If if all those quarterbacks were in a pot and you were to pick one of them out to be the day one starter, who would it be? I'll tell you this, I've watched a lot of tape on some of these college quarterbacks, and uh, you know, I, and I know we're in season, and I don't want to get too heavy on ranking quarterbacks or anything like that, or uh, you know, talking about the draft and where Denver could be positioned. But certainly, look, that's what the focus is, right? I mean, this 2020 se- this 2020 draft is going to be a major crucial one and is the focus with this team being three and six. That's the reality of it, is the fact that this season is over and that they are at this point playing for next year, and that means starting. Starting players who need experience for next year, that also means, well, look, you're never going to get the team losing, but if you're a fan, you actually cherish some of these losses because that's better for draft position. So if you're the Denver Broncos, certainly that is um, an interesting little situation they are now in because, again, you're never going to get players or coaches trying to lose, but certainly if you're a fan, when it comes to long-term success, or at least next year, a better draft pick is certainly there. And, of course, Denver, look, with the assets that they have, multiple thir- third-round picks, uh, picks next year as well, too. They got an extra fourth as well this year from the Emmanuel Sanders trade. This is a Denver Broncos team that could well indeed be looking to move up as well, too. So don't discount that. You know, everybody's been talking about how, well, the Cincinnati Bengals are ahead of them and the Miami Dolphins are ahead of them. And, you know, there's probably going to be no opportunities to pick a high-profile quarterback. Wrong. Let's not forget when the Kansas City Chiefs picked 27th originally in their draft and they traded up to, what was it, 10, 11, to, Patrick, to pick Patrick Mahomes? 
you know, he didn't think that they were going to do that, did they? Because it was such a long, long jump. I tell you what, this is the NFL is funny. There are a lot of opportunities to trade. Crazy things happen on draft night. And you offer up the right deal to go get and get your guy. And I'm talking about my your guy in the idea that he is a day one starter. The idea that you are punting on Drew Locke, there is no competition. Joe Flacco is, quite frankly, not on this roster. And this quarterback is where you start over from day one. That's what I want to see the Denver Broncos do if they go the draft route. So let's put everybody into a pot of gumbo and stir it up a little bit. Let's add a little uh, salt and pepper, some seasoning, make sure it's all nice and ready for our quarterback selection, our First pick, if you will, of the pot. I'll tell you that next. Welcome back. Of course, the Broncos Blitz podcast presented by our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. All right, so we build up the drama. We put all the players into one pot. Let's start talking about quarterbacks that we like, quarterbacks that we dislike, or at least I do. When it comes to this draft class, I'm going to start there, and I'm going to start there because I'm going to discount or, or discredit everything that a free agent quarterback would bring. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Cam Newton, anybody in free agency that could possibly come to Denver is a bridge quarterback. I have zero, no, zip, not I interest, no bueno. I don't know how many ways I can say it. No interest in a franchise quarterback coming here. We have seen it from Case Keenum. We have seen it from Joe Flacco. The bridge quarterback is not working for the Denver Broncos. This is a team that needs their franchise guy. I am tired of buying the 2001 Mazda with 150,000 miles on it, driving it for 20,000 miles, and then it breaking down. And then you trade it in for a 2005 Cobalt, and that Cobalt runs for 10,000 miles, and then it breaks down again. It's time for Denver to sell off the used and buy new. Now, they may have that new car in their possession in Drew Lock. That may very well be the case. So that certainly is an interesting factor. But when it comes to picking these quarterbacks for next year in my ideal situation, I am taking out any free agent quarterback because I have no desire to see what they have. It may sound like a good fit. Teddy Bridgewater is a sexy option. No, I'm done with the bridge quarterback. I have no interest in it. They are free agents for a reason. Denver does not need to be dabbling into that. So we're going to take those names out of my pot at least. Okay. Now we start to look at internally. Joe Flacco, Brendan Allen, Drew Locke. I have no interest in seeing what Joe Flacco has next year. No interest. In fact, I hope, uh, quite frankly, that he is not on this roster. This is a mistake from the start. Joe Flacco does not um, have the capability of playing at a high enough level for the Denver Broncos to reach the Super Bowl. Nonetheless, maybe even reach the playoffs. Uh, this was supposed to be an offense that was catered to him. It seemed like it was sort of at the beginning, but also not. Joe Flacco, aging, not in his prime, certainly. And look, this is a guy who, quite frankly, in his prime, was just not very good. I, I did not like the signing from the start. I have no interest in seeing what Joe Flacco has next year. Brendan Allen is certainly an intriguing option, but I don't think he's just a very good quarterback at all. Uh, this is a guy who flashed against the Cleveland Browns, and I think you're going to see him come crashing back to reality against some really good defenses. But certainly, look, maybe intriguing is the word to use in the idea that let's see what he's got for the next couple weeks while Drew Locke gets ready. And that brings us to Drew Locke, who, of course, I was a big fan of in college uh, at Mizzou, and 
Drew Locke, I think, shows potential. We saw it in preseason as he progressively got better as the games went on. And then, of course, it encountered the very unfortunate uh, thumb injury that has kept him out since basically till today. So this is a Denver Broncos team that they've got to figure out what they have in Drew Locke before they go into the selection of the NFL draft. And that's where we get to next, where you have names like Tua Tunga Viola, Jake Fromm, of course, Joe Burrow, who looks like the best prospect of the bunch. And don't forget about Justin Herbert as well, too, the Oregon Duck. This is a Denver Broncos team that is going to pick somewhere in the 7 to 13 range. It's likely to be there. I think it's more likely to be towards that back end than the front end. But certainly we've seen Denver pick in the, well, number five spot. You know, I mean, that's something uh, Denver did just a couple of years ago. If Denver is to see success and finally find their guy, the day one starters, turnkey, at least to me, look like Tua Tunga Viola, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. Those look like day one starters. Now, I'm not saying that that makes them good quarterbacks. I want that to be very clear because I know people are going to hear Justin Herbert's name as that third name, and they're like, oh, my God, well, obviously he thinks Justin Herbert is, is just a better player than everybody else. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, What I'm saying is when it comes to somebody who could execute the offense from day one, I believe that is something Justin Herbert could actually do. Now, look, Justin Herbert uh, and I think the Denver Broncos are unfortunately scarred, a bit scarred, because their fan base, this team, is always looking at tall, lanky, uh, big-arm quarterbacks and saying, is he the next Paxton Lynch? Uh, this kid is electric at Oregon, make no mistake. And Pac-12, look, they don't have the best competition, but certainly they have some good uh, – it's a power conference. And this is a Justin Herbert who right Right now, this year, completing 69% of his passes, 24 touchdowns, two interceptions. This goes together with his 29 touchdowns he threw last year. Do the math really quick. That's 53 over the last two years to only 10 INTs. So two interceptions this year, eight last year, five the year prior, and four in his freshman. This is a guy who's very careful with the football. And Oregon at 8-1 and one right now, this is a very good team, and uh, look, against conference teams, this is a guy who's completed 67% of his passes, 13 touchdowns to two picks. So certainly Justin Herbert, interesting to watch him operate because this is a guy who has performed well and uh, on road games as well, too. In particular, I'll flash back a couple weeks ago to number 25 Washington where uh, he dissected the Huskies. 35 points, uh, four touchdown passes on the road, looked very good through for 280 and is somebody who has has shown that I think he can be a day one starter. Now, whether he is a very successful one, I'm not sure yet. But if you believe that this kid can be day one, turnkey, franchise quarterback, I'm interested in him. I'm interested in him just as much as I'm interested in day one, turnkey, to a tongue of Iola. 
If Tua Tungaviola can start day one, I am absolutely intrigued. Now, the issue, I think, with Tua Tungaviola, as well as with Joe Burrow, are these are two quarterbacks who are going to be selected very high in the draft. And this may be a situation for the Denver Broncos, unfortunately, where they actually don't even get an opportunity to trade up to go get him because you're talking about a team that is 0-9 in Cincinnati who is probably going to secure the number one pick overall. This is a team that is probably going to take quarterback. So in the idea of taking the best product in Joe Burrow or Tua Tunga-Viola, Denver will not get their selection. Now, from there, it breaks a little bit easier for them. Now, Washington at 1-8 and eight is your number two overall pick there, the sole owner of that pick right now, with the Giants at 3, Miami at 4, and the New York Jets at 5. There's only one other team in that lot that needs a quarterback. That would be the Miami Dolphins, who are reportedly very high on Tua Tungaviola. But, of course, look, there are more opportunities for Miami to look at as the season progresses, you know, does Jake Fromm start to catch their eye? Does Justin Herbert catch their eye? We'll see what happens in Miami with Brian Flores, assuming he's around for next year. This is a also top five that features a couple places where teams could be trading out. Now, the talent is very good in this draft, in this 2020 draft, at several positions. And we're also looking at a NFL draft that... Uh, could feature some bona fide stars at different positions. So the 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 actual opportunities for trading out may not be the case because you know if you are a, a Washington team, you know if you are uh, sitting at number three with the Giants, you're looking to bolster around your young quarterback. So maybe you are putting together a uh, a, a list of players who are going to basically just accent Daniel Jones and uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins. And Andrew Thomas is the first one that comes to mind out of Georgia, the offensive tackle. Look, uh, Trent Williams vowed to basically never play for the Redskins. And if that's the case, look, Andrew Thomas would be a perfect way to just slide in and replace him. You know, if you're the Giants, are you looking at Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama, who's just an explosive player who could kind of replace the Odell Beckham style uh, talent? You know, are you looking at offensive tackle again? You know, Austin Jackson out of USC. Is that a reach at, at number two? Is that too high? Uh, excuse me, number three. So th- there's a lot of options here for this. NFL draft to break because the talent is so good, I'm not sure if there will be a lot of trading out. Now, if a team wants to come with the the King's Ransom, certainly that's something that a, a team's going to take advantage of, but then you start to look at uh, where quarterbacks could go in this NFL draft after the top five. Number six at Atlanta, you got to think that they're okay with Matt Ryan and keeping him there. Baker Mayfield, obviously, number seven in Cleveland. Tampa Bay is certainly a team at eight that is going to be looking at quarterback. And then number nine is Denver. Now, this obviously has yet to be finalized, so we'll go down the list also and see teams 10 through 15. They include Arizona, who has their quarterback in Kyler Murray, Detroit, who has their quarterback in Matt Stafford, L.A. could be looking towards the future as maybe they want to groom a quarterback. I think this is more of a opportunity for the Chargers to maybe draft somebody in the third, fourth round because Phillip Rivers, I think most people believe, has a couple more years in him. Jacksonville, certainly an interesting prospect. What are they going to do with, of course, Gardner Minshew or uh, Nick Foles? Could those be opportunities for them? And then Oakland, who owns the 14th pick, obviously, with Derek Carr, is still very much set, and 15 is Tennessee. 
Now, of course, we look at this whole thing and we say, okay, well, any of these court teams that need quarterbacks could be involved in a potential trade-up. And that absolutely is the case. And we should say that just as much if we are Denver. Look, Denver has a very easy opportunity to say, hey, if you are the New York Jets at number five, you got your quarterback, all right? And you're looking for a premier talent. If this happened to be the finalized roster or the finalized standings of the draft order and Denver picks nine and the Jets pick five, how sexy would an option be if Denver were to ship a couple extra picks to the Jets to move up to five to go get their guy? And so uh, the point being in all this discussion is there are going to be chances for Denver to go get their guy. The question now is who is that guy? Is it Tua Tunga Viola, the very talented deep ball thrower? The uh, really, I really even shouldn't say deep ball thrower. He just throws a ball great. Uh, Tunga Viola has been criticized a lot, and I just don't know why. Because a lot of people say, well, his skill set doesn't translate to the NFL, or he doesn't look like a conventional quarterback. Well, you know what? Russell Wilson didn't look like a conventional quarterback going into the NFL either. Neither did Lamar Jackson. Who else do you want me to name? I, it just it, it's talking about these unconventional players. I I don't care about height. I don't care about really very much the the, the very interesting ways that we pick apart players and use these as negatives. You know, hand size. This is talked about a lot. You know, in fact, this was talked about so much that Brian Allen or Brendan Allen, excuse me, hired a hand specialist, to massage his hands, to to lengthen his muscles, to make his hand bigger for the NFL draft. Like, that's how big of a deal it is to these people, and I just don't understand why. Can the guy play or not? And you know what? In Tua Tunga Viola, he absolutely can. This is a kid who, of course, threw that great clutch touchdown in the championship game, has balled out ever since. In 2018, how about 43 touchdowns and six picks? And so far this year, on a bum ankle, 31 touchdowns to only three interceptions. And oh, by the way, of course, an Alabama team that plays in the SEC, arguably with the best defenses around the college football world. So I like Tua Tunga Viola very much. I also like Jake uh, Jake Fromm as well as Joe Burrow. And I want to talk about Joe Burrow for a second because this is a guy who has caught my eye for the last um, about half a year now, six, eight months. Um, Joe Burrow, the more tape I watch on Joe Burrow, it just is, it consistently impresses me. And I can't tell you how much Joe Burrow took a step with the game against Alabama because the one big thing that Joe Burrow um, failed to show many people was his success against premier defenses and against a blitz. And Joe Burrow executed that beautifully against Alabama. We know this kid is accurate. We know he has the arm to make all the throws. And this kid seems like a smart kid with some moxie. And when you're talking about a a guy who can complete some passes, how about 78% completion percentage this year so far? 3,100 yards on 33 touchdowns and four picks so far for Joe Burrow. This is a guy who also, in his conference, first conference teams, is very much just dicing the SEC up. 17 touchdowns and one pick. This is a guy who is playing at a high level. The 6'4", senior is somebody who is going to be very highly touted in the NFL and is just continuing to uh, raise his stock at LSU. Now, watching him from last year, there are some 
deficiencies. You know, one of them again when defenses get very creative, start to disguise things, start to uh, bring blitzers from elsewhere. There are times where he does look a little skittish, um, holds on to the ball a bit long. Joe Burrow also likes to run the football. He also likes to tuck it and run. And sliding, let's just put it this way, is not exactly in his repertoire yet, as much as it should be, I should say that. Uh, This is a guy who ran 14 times against Alabama, 13 times against Auburn in back-to-back weeks, or I should say back-to-back games as they had a bye in between. That's not going to cut it in the NFL. You know, you cannot take those kind of hits in the NFL where you essentially run like a running back. You just lower your head and say, hey, bring me down. That's not going to work in the NFL. These, you know, these linebackers, these safeties, they hit too hard. They come too fast. They close up holes, and then all of a sudden, you're out with a concussion or a shoulder injury because you just got absolutely lit up by a uh, general line, any linebacker, name them in the NFL. Um, they all hit very, very hard. The NFL is a big step up from college, and that is a very big worry, at least for myself, when it comes to Joe Burrow. So uh, there's a lot to like, though from the LSU product and certainly uh, somebody who I think is going to be very highly touted in the certainly selected in the top five of the NFL draft, Joe Burrow. A little bit of footwork that you'd like to work on, but look, I think all rookies at some point, you you, you understand that they're going to have some footwork um, that, that, that you want uh, cleaned up, if you will, or sharpened. But overall, Joe Burrow is a magnificent quarterback who's got some real – He's got some ball placement that he blows my mind. I just summon it, including that that one throw, of course, that stands out like a sore thumb is the throw to Moss in that game against Alabama where he put it on the sidelines where literally nobody else could catch it outside of Moss. And Moss made a great throw, but or great catch, but certainly a tremendous throw from Joe Burrow who's got some great ball placement on his throws. The last quarterback that I want to talk about is Jake Fromm because I was very high on Jake Fromm earlier in the year and dating back to last year and years prior. And and Jake Fromm I'm still very high on. I think Jake Fromm has lost a lot of the luster because of, A, he is, um, it, it is a muted year so far for, for Jake Fromm. This is a guy who still completes passes in the high 60s, 13 touchdowns to three interceptions so far. Um, but Jake Fromm so far this year has been somebody that, um, look, Georgia is a a team that is being overshadowed by LSU, a team that is being overshadowed by the Auburns and the um, uh, Alabamas of the world, you know. And, and look, the SEC, I mean, even Florida's playing very, very well, obviously. So I, I think it's, it's maybe not so much – more so a lost in the noise. Now, his stock could go way up here shortly as Georgia looking like they could be competing in the SEC championship here. Jake Fromm going to get an opportunity to get some late boosting in his stock, but there have been some shaky games this year and and games that make you really um, think twice, I think. And, And maybe that's because, look, Jake Fromm and the offensive talent that is surrounding him is not as good, I don't want to say it's bad, but it's not been as good as it's been in the previous years. Uh, Jake Fromm struggled mightily against, uh, what was it, South Carolina a couple weeks ago, where uh, he threw three picks in the game. In fact, I think those were his only three picks of the year. Um, he also didn't perform very well in, in, in other games where, look, his completion percentage has faltered a little bit, you know, but just previously against Missouri. Um, so there are... A lot of pros and a lot of cons to Jake Fromm. I just don't know if Jake Fromm starts day one. Uh, 
And this is where my whole conversation and the point of the podcast really starts to come into focus is the idea that I want a day one starter. Is Drew Locke the day one starter next year? Okay, that's an option. Is Tua Tunga Viola that? Fine. Justin Herbert? Fine. Jake Fromm's not? Okay, I don't want Jake Fromm. I don't want I I I need a day one starter, somebody who is not a bridge, somebody who is not a product, and the idea that this guy's gonna come in, start day one, turnkey, and we're gonna see if he's got the gusto or not very, very quickly. You can have bad games and flash potential. I say this all the time, but this is a team that needs a beacon of light, somebody to step up and be the guy, whether they get that from the draft or whether it's from Drew Locke. It's not coming from Joe Flacco. We've already proven that. And quite frankly, I really don't know if it's coming from Brandon Allen as well, too. This is a Denver team that's got to find their guy. And you know what? If you miss on your guy, that's Fine. I just I want to see you try and throw a couple darts because right now, by not throwing darts, this team has 11 wins in the last two years, not counting this season. And if you want to count the three, fine. 14 and 27, not a great record. This is certainly something that the Denver Broncos have to clean up so far in this uh, offseason beginning initial plans. And obviously to start that little laundry list of trying to clean up the quarterback play, it's figuring out what you have in Drew Locke. And this is why I've said many times on the podcast, Drew Locke needs to see the field and see the field immediately because this is a Denver team that cannot afford to go into the offseason not knowing at least something, a little bit of something from what they have in Drew Locke. They've got to figure it out. So that is the Broncos Blitz podcast, of course, presented by our friends over there at Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field, 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100. Colorado Distilled Spirits. We are all done for the Broncos Blitz podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio. That's at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. And, of course, always at MileHighSports.com. You can catch the radio show as well, too, locally here in Denver if you're local. FM 104.7. And then, of course, AM 1340 on the radio dial, 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That, of course, is 9 a.m. for you East Coast friends who listen to the podcast. And if you are on the East Coast or wherever you may be, or maybe you're just locally here in Denver and you want to listen on your computer or mobile app, go to milehighsports.com. That's milehighsports.com for all your tidbits and info on the Denver Broncos. We're all done for the Broncos Blitz podcast. Check out MileySports.com for breaking news profiles, player interviews, discussions, audio, all at MileHighSports.com. That's MileHighSports.com. Later, y'all. To listen to previous versions of the Broncos Blitz podcast, visit MileHighSports.com or subscribe to the Broncos Blitz wherever you get your podcast.